1: Covered by the Saints for a touchdown.
2: he or inside pass to everything Saints football. And
1: the kick is good.
2: We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60 to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That
1: is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill.
2: T-T-Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Ho, oh, baby welcome inside black and gold and we have just completed the first training camp practice it's in the books good to be out there after a much much extended break it felt like to get back to saints football i know jeff and i have a ton of observations to talk about from the first unpadded practice there's still a lot going on with the additions it was great to see 100 participation we'll get into a interview that bobby hebert mike atelier did with linebacker pete werner and then we'll even close uh, the things out with our thoughts on number 80 he's back jimmy graham back in the saddle for the black and gold jeff i thought we had a pretty tame day weather wise out there at least it was uh didn't seem like a louisiana summer day and i'm not complaining at all
3: teddy graham (laughs) teddy graham uh... Trying to think of a trying to think of a Graham nickname. But yes, Jimmy Graham was out there. The Saints were out there. It was not crazy hot. It was only like 92 degrees, reasonable humidity. Sure. I fully expect that to change. This was one of the shorter practices. DA talked about that. This was about 90 minutes. Tomorrow, I think is going to be about an hour 45. They're going to work their way up to the the two-hour practices. So we're going to get into what we saw out there. There was only two sets of team drills and Just generally speaking, not a ton of action. And that's not a surprise. The first day, there's a lot of work to be done. The way DA phrased it is, there is no light at the end of the tunnel right now, which feels kind of bleak. Just darkness. But I guess that's fair, right? This is like very much, okay, this is going to be a grind. You're in for the long haul. You don't have to get everything done today. But as they say, and as the cliche goes, get 1% better every day. That's what they all say. It's stupid. It makes no sense because if you got 1% better every day, then eventually you would reach 100 and you wouldn't have to continue to get better. Anyway, we'll we'll move on. This is not a loading bar. This is a, I don't know, call it what you want. But uh, the first observation that I'll make, and that's how we're going to do is we're going to go through observations this first segment, as you said, then Pete Warner, then some, some Graham notes. But the first observation, as you mentioned, for once, knock on wood, health seems to be on the Saints side to start. No one missed today's practice. The only player who was not a participant in at least position drills was Anthony Johnson, who did work off to the side with trainers. But everyone else got working. We had, saw Cesar Ruiz, we saw Nick Saldaverry, we saw Trevor Penning, we saw Shaq Davis, we saw Kendra Miller. Everyone was out there. But a few of them are limited. We only saw a couple of reps from Trevor Penning, Cesar Ruiz on the first team, Nick Saldaveri, I did not see. For now, you're seeing Andres Pete Calvin Throckmorton, Trey Turner, and James Hurst kind of split up those reps. James Hurst started a guard, then moved over to tackle. But, you know, I think that offensive line group is going to be kind of interesting. You saw Max Rivera, the Saints signed him to be a center, which is interesting. He's going to be depth at center, and you're going to go from there. But it's very nice to not constantly, you know, even if you're taking attendance and you're pretty sure you're just going to cross every single name off. And that's just nice to see. You see a lot of teams around the NFL dealing with injuries, dealing with holdouts, dealing with whatever the saints are not all they're worried about is what is happening on the field.
2: Yeah, that was a really big bonus. I can't remember the last time, like everybody was there present. Uh, Like you said, there might not be a hundred percent health currently, but having all the bodies in the building, a huge positive, obviously, for this team to get on the same page. And just seeing finally someone like even a a Kendry Miller, who we hadn't seen really much from at all on the field today, a big plus for me. And uh, just looking forward now, uh, really, to stacking these days together, uh, getting that day off on Sunday, and we'll get back to Monday, and that's when the pads are on, and we'll really start, you know, feeling these practices even more. Because, yeah, it was just a little light. Uh, in in the tush today, if you know what I mean. (laughs)
3: Light in the tush. Yeah. That is (laughs) one that I have not heard, but I guess I can get on board with it. A guy who was not light in the tush. I don't know. I'm not a fan of what I just said, but it's Michael Thomas who was a full go, which is very cool to see. And while it doesn't sound monumental, this is a guy who has played in 10 games since the 20 to start the, the, the 2019 season. He got a little tongue tied there. He didn't show up at all in the 2021 season. He obviously was hurt the entire way last year all throughout camp. It was like, okay, it's a ramp up. It's this, it's that. When is he going to be ready? Now it's a hamstring. Now it's a foot, blah, blah, blah. blah. Throughout training, throughout OTAs and mini camp, it was like, when's he going to be available? Are we going to see him then? Are we going to see him then? He was a full go today. There were no limitations. He was in every drill. He got targeted twice by Derek Carr. Paulson Debo broke one up, made a nice play. Then the second one, he got completely toasted by Mike Thomas. We talked about this a little bit. Paulson Debo is a guy who likes to be physical. You're not going to out-physical Mike Thomas. That's the worst possible matchup Paulson Debo could have. If he ever comes up against Mike Thomas, he's going to have a hard time. But Mike looks good. He looks quick. And I asked DA today, you know, how much of a boost is that? Just to see Mike out there. And he didn't give a, what I would Considered to be a fantastic answer, but I did think that his answer was interesting. Here you go. Well,
4: I think the boost is that we had everybody available at least for some portion of of practice today. You know, I think that's a that's a uh, a step in the right direction. Um, Certainly, you know, I I don't think anybody's uh, made light of of how important we think Mike Thomas is to uh, our football team and what we think he can bring to our football team. Um, I know Mike's been working extremely hard to get himself ready. Um, I thought he looked pretty good out there uh, in what I was able to see. So, um, you know, I think I think that's uh, it's a really positive st- step.
3: And it is. Like, it, it really is. And, you know, I've said this a few times. You're not really going to be, ans- be able to answer any serious questions about how effective Mike Thomas is going to be this season until you see him play in four or five games in a row. Because that's the question that we didn't get – an answer for last year we saw him in two games get hurt in the third never came back and so he could be healthy all throughout camp and you're still going to be wondering can he make it through a full nfl season but the longer you can get him on the field and get him feeling good and not be constantly looking over your shoulder waiting for something to pop is a good thing both confidence wise for the team confidence wise for Derek carr confidence wise for michael thomas And so, you know, it's just cool to see him out there. This team is a different animal when Michael Thomas is healthy and he's healthy. And I think everyone, whether D.A. wants to admit it or not, everyone is more confident when he's out there.
2: Absolutely. Just, you know, you talk about being the alpha male or whatever it is. Mike doesn't even have to say anything. It's its it's presence. Like you you pointed out, it's just him being there uh, seems to elevate everyone. I guess, their whole being on, on offense. We know this team struggled last year with contested catches. Actually, just, you know, moving the ball in general, getting those first downs. Mike's a guy that's going to help you out so much and help everybody else around him just because of his presence. Uh, obviously excited to see more of that match. You know, Chris Olave maturing, uh, learning more from Mike. What's Shahid going to end up, you know, gaining from him as well? But even... You know, we got some pretty good contested two contested catches guys in that same locker room now with Thomas and Jimmy Graham. It's gonna be see like who can out, you know, muscle someone for a football. I, I think I'd still go with Mike right now just because he's younger.
3: Yeah, we're we're gonna talk more okay. about Jimmy Graham in the last segment, but I do think, you know, when you look at it, like what could his role be? And I think you know, he's still six seven, he can still box <laughs> a guy out. I was talking to Sean Fazend about this. He was like, I don't think he's gonna be a guy who's gonna be catching goal line fades, and I'm like, sure. But he's still 6'7. He can still be a big body and stand in front of somebody and just have that gigantic wingspan of a, like a heron. And, you know, it's like you're not getting around him. You can just yeah. stand on the goal line. And I think that's kind of what he's going to be. And Mike Thomas has always been really good at that. And I think, you know, to an extent, it might be some insurance where if you do lose him and you still need that red zone threat, you know, we've talked about this. He wasn't successful in Chicago. Jimmy Graham was. He still caught 11 touchdowns. So we'll get into more of that. But, you know, I think I do need to clean something up. I think I called him Max Rivera. and <laughs> I think I confused him with Ron Rivera, who used to be the head coach in Washington. Max Garcia is the player the Saints brought in. And the way Dennis Allen phrased it is, you know, they lost Billy Price. And I think my instinct was they brought in Billy Price to be that center depth. And then they lost him. And so I kind of look at it like, who is it going to be, uh, Alex Pilstrom? You know, is it going to be the UDFA out of Illinois? Yeah. No, it's probably going to be Max Garcia. And this is what uh, D.A. had to say about him. He was signed yesterday along with Trey Turner. Yeah, I think that's
4: the plan is to work him in at center. Um, That was a position that I felt like we were a little bit light at, especially with the loss of Billy Price. Um, So we worked him out. Uh, I know he's played some guard. He's played some center before. Um, And so he had a good workout. And uh, he was a guy we thought could, could, you know, add something to us.
3: And how that offensive line develops – you have some real names there now. You know, you you have Trevor Penning and Caesar Ruiz, and you feel like you want to see something from them. But Trey Turner is, is, isn't is a slouch at guard, right? He's a five-time pro bowler. He started basically everywhere he has gone. He's not going to just roll over and say, here you go, Caesar. Here you go on. Just take the job. They're going to have to beat him out for it. And I think adding some competition there is only going to be good.
2: No, and the, the, the addition of Turner is really immense for me just because... You know, we've seen so many injuries happen across this offensive line. There's still questions even going into this season with guys recovering, although it was – we noted, obviously, with the attendance, everybody out there and practicing, it was good to see uh, Ruiz and Trevor Penning uh, back on schedule uh, for day one with this squad. But, yeah, Trey Turner is awesome insurance. And a guy that's coming home, so I look at it as another way. It's like that rejuvenation, that rebirth for someone else on this team where, you know, coming back home kind of relights that fire under him. And he's reunited with another St. and LSU dude with Tyran Matthew.
3: Yeah. We talked to Trey today and he, he wouldn't really get it. Like he, he's not a, a very excitable guy, right? Like he's very much like the work is there. I'm going to do the work and blah, blah, blah. He wasn't willing to really go into like, Oh, it's fantastic being home. And you know, to me, it kind of indicates he's not just signing here to, as a, as a homecoming he's signing here. Cause he sees opportunity. Yeah, there, right? was, I think,
2: there were plenty of reports of other teams being interested in him. Thankfully, he wanted to come back to New Orleans.
3: Right, and it kind of just goes to my point. He, he's not here to just kind of walk into a backup job. He's here to contribute, and, you know, I think that's a good thing. Just to switch over to the defensive side of the ball for a bit, you know, the defense really doesn't get to show a lot in mean, unpadded practices, especially with no shells, right? It's just It's very much finesse work. But one thing we did see today, two balls got punched out. Troy Pride got one on Kirk Merritt, which, you know, just a kind of a note in passing Kirk Merritt stuck with the running backs. And I thought he might switch back to wide receiver. Now that you've got, you know, Benjamin and Kendrick Miller back and you have a full allotment of running backs. No, he's stuck at running backs. So to me, he's listed at wide receiver, but until I see him get work at wide receiver, I'm just going to stick him in that running back group because he's staying there. But he's the guy who he pulled off a nice spin but then had the ball punched out by Troy Pride. And while it was late in the play, it was still like, hold on to the ball, dude. And he ended up recovering it, but that's because two guys ran into each other. It's going to be a play that gets noticed. And if you're Kirk Merritt, you're trying to make this squad, you can't be fumbling the ball. On the flip side, this is a Saints defense that did not force any turnovers last year. I mean, that's a bit hyperbolic, but they barely forced any. They did not punch the ball out. We saw it happen twice today. The play of the day, in my opinion, was Andrew Dowell coming across Jawan Johnson caught a pass from Jake Hayner, and he knocked it out. And this happened very much in the flow of the play where you can say, yes, that was not late. That was where Jawan Johnson should be still securing the ball. He then picked it up and ran with it. It's good to see that instinct because I just don't think they had enough of it last year. Go for turnovers. You need them. They change games, just getting that tackle, you know, great, bring him to the ground, but in the process, you have to be focused on trying to get that ball out. And, Day one, you saw it. So that's a good thing. That was
2: definitely a huge positive for me, too, just because, like you mentioned, the the takeaways just weren't coming last year. There were some instances, obviously, penalties took a few away. The ball bounced the wrong way for the Saints uh, kind of thing. But it was just in general that they weren't that ball-hungry, turnover-hungry defense from last last season that they were in the past but which is crazy because they were still really productive as a unit but at turnovers and also in the run game this this defense really had problems
3: very much so and here's what da had to say about the about the takeaways versus the turnovers which it's a double-edged sword when you're playing against yourself right
4: my thoughts are we needed we need to take the ball away more um and uh, look i thought we started uh you know good today and 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 we had a couple of punch outs um you know it's interesting because when you go out there to practice you're looking at both sides as the head coach and on one side we punch the ball out and you're excited that we we we're, we're punching the ball out but yeah we got to do a better job of protecting the ball this year too um and so uh, there'll be a little bit of give and take but but obviously we got to do a we got to do a better job overall as a team in that area turnover takeaway margin
3: And yeah, I mean, that's very true. I also think that, you know, it's the first kind of statement. Like, I've talked a lot about this. Someone's got to step up at linebacker. Someone's got to put themselves in position to be that depth linebacker. And why not Andrew Dowell, right? Like, I don't think he is at the top of the mind of a lot of people when it comes to that depth linebacker spot. But he's a guy who has consistently flashed throughout camp in Every year he's been on the Saints roster, he comes to play. He's always playing hard. You might not have the physical traits that you look for, you know, stereotypically, but I think that you know he's a guy who shouldn't be ignored in that in that battle.
2: Yeah, just really excited to see more from Andrew Dow just because he's excelled on special teams for this Saints team, and it'd be nice to see if he can get into that linebacker rotation flow. Uh, we we know we've talked out about it about a uh, you know a ton with after DeMario Davis, after Pete Werner, then what? Uh, DeMarco Jackson, we've talked and hyped up a lot. Hopefully we, we get to see something from him this season. Obviously, last year was a wash for him. But, you know, looking at the linebacker spot, for me too, Dowell, someone I'm hopeful for because, like I said, special teams have have always been a strong point for him so far. Let's see if he can contribute more to this, you know, the defensive unit flow and get himself
3: involved. Yeah, and if and if Peyton, uh, Peyton Turner, if Andrew Dowell can be that guy, then it, you know, he's going to make the roster either way. That's the thing with Andrew Dowell. Kind of like Dwayne Washington, you looked at a guy who's not on the roster anymore. It's like he's going to make the roster. Could he possibly just contribute at running back to help you save a roster spot and maybe keep someone somewhere else? I don't know. Maybe maybe that's something you can do. Um, but either way, I think that's going to be an interesting numbers game. We're going to have a lot of time to really go through a lot of this. One funny thing that happened today was Da. Got challenged by Marshawn Lattimore to 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 run gassers with him, and he kind of joked that he uh, like he, he was asked whether he beat Marshawn. He said no, and well, because that would be a problem if <laughs> he outran Marshawn at this point. But he did, did beat s- some of the linemen, uh, and it so, did seem so, like he
2: was talking a lot of trash to Marshawn while he was running.
3: Well, I'm sure because I don't think Marshawn expected him to do it. <laughs> and so he's like okay bet um, but a lot of the coaches did I think and, and I was just on a podcast I was on the Pick 6 podcast with uh, Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports and we were talking about just basically like because he brought that up and I do think it's just an indicator of like I think this team is very loose right now I think they're a lot more comfortable this time this year than they were last year because there was a lot of questions last year how is Jameis going to come back is this really Dennis Allen's team? What does the Pete Carmichael offense look like? Is it just a placeholder? And like, what is this? This year, the staff is a lot more formed in DA's image. You have a quarterback that DA is a lot more comfortable with. It feels like a team that is built to win with the team that is here, not the coach that is doing whatever the hell he wants, right? And I, I just, I you you look at it and you just see a lot more confidence out of the plays on the field. You feel a lot more comfortable with everything Derek Carr just has a presence about him that you appreciate. There was one oh. moment today that they were going through drills, and Rashid He ran a route. Derek Carr didn't like how he ran it, so he just called him over. He said, no, run it this way, went back to the line, ran it, and threw it again. It's just like that's the type of stuff that you like to see. You want to see this team coming together and being cohesive. And I think it just, it just seems that way. I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'm imagining it, but it's hard not to look at this team and feel like they're moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, to me, the whole, you know, seeing Dennis Allen and coaches taking part in running sprints with players can only be great for team building. And, you know, you you said something, you know, is this, you know, is this Dennis Allen's team? Does is that question still need to be answered? And for me, last season, I thought that game in Cleveland where they could have totally just quit on the season, not even showed up to play that game in the freezing below zero temperature weathers, uh, that that showed a lot to me that they're not just Ah, uh, showing up to games and putting on a, a C performance. These guys are going out there and giving it their all for Allen. And I, I really thought I, I felt that in that Cleveland game. And to me, just seeing that that camaraderie and that bond even more now in training camp definitely made me smile. And I think yeah, that can only that's only positive stuff for this squad.
3: Yeah, I think it's easy to overlook chemistry uh, when you're kind of looking at a team and you're looking at all the faces and the skill sets and everything. Okay, how good is the quarterback? How good are the running backs? Like playing well together is a lot of time more important than the individual quality of the parts that you're that you're looking at. And I think you're ex- absolutely correct. That team last year could have phoned it in, much like they did in Week 18. They could have done that much earlier <laughs> in the season, right? Like No one would have blamed them going out to Cleveland and laying an egg in the freezer bowl, and instead they won that game. No one could have blamed them for going out to Philly and losing to the eventual NFC champions. They won that game. And I've said all along, you know, you may not like Dennis Allen. I know a lot of people don't aren't huge fans of Dennis Allen. And I get it. He's kind of boring. He's robotic, whatever the team in there cares about Dennis Allen. They like Dennis Allen. It, it's, it's stunned some people to hear this. The team plays hard for Dennis Allen and absolutely last year just didn't go well. I think they were a lot closer than a lot of people would like to believe. And the way things started today, just it, you feel confident. And I, I'm not trying to just blow smoke here. We'll have plenty of time to complain and plenty of time for everything yeah. to go sideways. But today, getting into the flow of things, ramping up, as Dennis Allen likes to say, I'm excited about it. I don't know if I've been this excited about the Saints since Breeze was here.
2: That's fair. I mean, last season there was you know that that optimist, that hopeful optimism. I don't know what you want to say, you know, but I don't know if anyone really believed this that team could be a contender, even with when it was Jameis leading the the way. And certainly when Dalton came in, I don't think anyone thought that this team was going to amount to much. And they still made a push to do it. I give them that much of a credit that it was down to the wire. Yeah, they weren't able to pull it off. And hopefully that toughens these guys up even for more for this season. I don't know.
3: I agree. I agree. And I'm looking forward to keep watching it. I had a lot of fun out there today. I'm going to have a lot of fun the rest of the week. I'm looking forward to seeing all the fans on Friday. I always say like, The practice is different when the fans are there, like the players clearly just get into it. And I understand why it's, it's exciting. It's they love playing in front of fans. That's why they do it. It was was good to
2: hear. uh, There was a lot of vocal coaching out there too. I don't know. uh, The acoustics seemed to be extra, extra good today. I was hearing a lot of uh, uh, back and forth between coaches and players. And uh, just that kind of, you know, I don't want to say anger, but that aggression. Uh, You you need that in football. And it was just really welcome.
3: No doubt. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to play you a WWL exclusive interview with Pete Werner. We were not in on this interview, but Bobby Hebert and Mike Detillier were. So we're going to throw that at you. Keep it locked on Inside Black and gold.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
3: Here on Inside Black and Gold, I'm Jeff Nowak, he's Steve Geller, and as promised, we're going to play for you here an exclusive interview that Bobby Hebert and Mike Batelier did with Pete Warner. He also spoke to the media. Pete Warner is, I think, one of the more intriguing pieces on this Saints roster. Madden gave him a terrible grade. I don't understand why. I think they gave him a 77, and it kind of belies the fact that, you know, Pete Warner was on pace for an insanely productive season last year before he got hurt. And, you know, I'm all for Pete Werner flying under the radar. He was hurt this time last year. He was kind of rehabbing this year. He's free and clear. And I fully expect Pete to have a big season. And I think the Saints need Pete to have a big season because while DeMario feels eternal, I do think that he needs a bit of help. He's not going to be that sideline-to-sideline side guy. He needs someone to be a running mate as a volume tackler, and Pete can be that. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Pete can do, and hopefully he can avoid the injury bug. And Because I don't think a lot of people take into account how frustrating it is for a player to start injured, to get hurt in the season, to constantly be pushing that boulder up the hill, and then it's like, God, another injury, right? You're talking about fitness. You're talking about being in the game plan you're talking about film study you're talking about being ready week to week it's the same thing i say about paulson adibo like i don't think you ever saw the best version of paulson adibo last year and i don't think you really got much of a chance to see the best version of pete warner last year
2: no and i I think a lot of fans don't understand the fact that these players end up becoming we hear a lot you know it's the the locker room the family and you don't want to let that brother that guy next to you down kind of thing and if you're not able to be at the top of your game healthy and you know there's a drop off in play you f- you feel bad you don't want to be watching your guys from the sideline it kills you uh, uh, that's why you mentioned a, a guy like demario davis you know he seems like he's eternally you know the eternal fountain of youth cam jordan's that same way i dread those days when there's that drop off from them <laughs>
3: right well and, and especially a linebacker i don't know what you're going to do if there is a drop off <laughs> Because it's not, it's not like, oh, Demario Davis looks like he's lost a step. Let's go to the next guy. Who? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what they would have done last year if not for Caden Ellis. Like, if they have five games missed, like, I, I was just hyping up Andrew Dow. I don't want to see Andrew Dow out there for five games. Um, right. But, you know, I think Pete Werner has a chance to kind of be the leader of this defense. He's, I don't know, personality-wise, I think he has some learning to do in terms of, I'm not sure if he is the type of vocal leader that DeMario is, and few people are, let's be real. Right. But I do think that this is a year that I want to see Pete be more of a vocal leader on the defense. So here's that interview that Bobby Hebert and Mike DeDilier did with Pete Warner. Enjoy
1: Mike to tell you, along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby A. Bear, we were with Saints linebacker Pete Werner. Pete uh, is kind of pajamas and slippers and almost autumn day today. It wasn't too bad out there, heat wise, but uh, uh, I think it'll be more impressive a little bit later on. So, how was the first workout?
5: It was great. Yeah, we got a little bit lucky with the the weather, um, as well as an hour and 30 minute practice to start it all (laughs) off. But uh, it was great to be out there. Uh, It felt Felt great just to get moving around again and playing with the guys that you're going to go out and compete with.
1: The communication part between you and DeMario is so good out there on the field and didn't take long for you guys to be on the same wavelength. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than others, but you guys
5: connected right away. Yeah, and I think that starts with him. I mean, he's got high expectations for himself and um, high, ex- high expectations for me, but that communication is going to be a given with him, and uh, there's going to be no setbacks. It's it's got a chemistry's got to be there right away, and I feel like that we've done a great job of that.
6: Pete, how do you feel coming into your third year? You, you feel like a, like I'm a veteran now, none of this rookie stuff, and you know, running <laughs> around and just trying to make plays. Is everything kind of like second nature to you defensively? You're trying to do and therefore for this second date you can play with a lot of confidence
5: yeah I would say confidence is continuing to grow I wouldn't necessarily put me on that vet status yet but again not a rookie as well I mean I'm getting more confident confident I'm not just flying around I mean I'm really getting comfortable getting stable with this defense and kind of uh, establishing my role on the team and um, I will get closer to that as we as we get going but I mean, it just feels so good to be in the spot you're in and impact others, especially some of these young guys coming out.
6: Pete, you were off to a great start last year. It seems like you can almost count on you you're going to have double-digit tackles uh, game in and game out, and then you get hurt. How discouraging was that? It's just bad luck or what? Because you were having an outstanding season.
5: Yeah, it was tough. I had to go through a little adversity there uh, with an ankle. Um, but, you know, I really – You really got to build on that uh, great season from the start and uh, expand from the start of this year and hopefully. uh capitalize on that, um, so just continue to get better and better, especially through this game.
1: With two new projected starters, at defensive tackle, Pete Jenkins always tells me, Mike, they're the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. They protect those linebackers and give them a free run. That's right. That'll be a process for you, correct? Along with DeMario, because of the fact of two guys that they brought in uh, that you guys haven't played with before.
5: Right, right, and I, I would also throw in a defense, new defensive line coach in there. Um, every defensive tackle knows defensive end plays kind of their own style and uh, you got to learn that you got to get repetition with them to figure out the way that you're going to play the way that they are going to play to see how you can execute the best together. Um, So I'm excited for it. Uh, Hopefully we can get some sacks up there on the board with them and and stuff up the run. But uh, I like the way that they're playing. So I'm really excited for that.
6: Pete, is this just, a, just a, this day and age that when you look at it, uh, you know, old school would be you had a 3-4 or 4-3, mm-hmm. and you could say, well, in paper we are 4-3, but then our primary defense seems like it's 4-2 nickel, mm-hmm. whether you're big nickel, whatever, because you're always trying to stop the run. Do you see the game of more teams in that direction because of the passing game? Um, I do see the, uh, a shift in the style of offenses um,
5: in the NFL. I mean, it was so... Big and strong back in the day, and now it's it's turning into a speed, quick type of game. So maybe you throw in a little bit um, more of a smaller speed package out there on the field. But then again, it's all based off of what the offense is showing. I mean, every team's different. It all depends on game plan and and uh, everything like that. So we're gonna throw out there what the offense gives us, and if that happens to be. Um, some faster guys in the field. We're going to do it.
6: Well, speaking of a game plan, boy, coming out the gate, you play the Titans and Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, you got to pack a That's old school. Where uh, definitely <laughs> you got to stop the run, or he, they will continue, the to, or they'll continue to or they will continue to run the ball.
5: That's right. <laughs> Especially heading up to that first game, we're going to be buckling our chin chin strap up and getting ready to go downhill and be physical. So uh, that'll be a, a great first start. Looking forward to it, and hoping we shut that dude down.
1: Pete, for a lot of people who don't know your background, yeah. genetics, okay? Mm-hmm. Your dad, former college player, played in the NFL. Your brother played college football. Mm-hmm. How was it growing up in that household? I know football was part of the
5: conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be. It was. It was a lot of fights, competitive atmosphere. Um, we were always trying to uh, butt heads and play certain games. So we were always growing up. I was always... I always grew up around it and it started with my dad very with a strong work ethic and competitive background um, it was kind of built into all of us kids so we knew where our future was going to head especially playing in the college level um, so it was always great of having that background because i mean you, you're here now but you also have to thank how you got here
6: now, Pete, uh, last one. Uh, what has Coach Hodges helped with? You know, all the coaches you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your relationship with him and, um, you know, tricks of the trade, whatever. Yeah. How's that relationship and how he's helped you develop? Yeah, he's uh, he's a huge, huge part of uh, my the
5: way the, the way I've gotten better as a player. I mean, he's such a perfectionist. He's so big on details and the way you fit certain runs and where you are on different passes. I mean, I'm a big notes guy and big on paper. And he, he sees that and he coaches everybody based off of how um, he sees them being coached. And he's a, he's personal. Uh, you can talk to him about everything and we get to the depths of football and um, he just really knows how to how to coach you and make you play hard. And uh, i got to give a lot of thanks to him because he's one of the best uh ever do it, in my opinion, and the best definitely that I've had.
6: All right, thank, thank you, Pete. Yeah, appreciate,
5: thank it. You guys, thank so you. appreciate
3: it. All right, and if you want to hear more from Bobby Hebert and Mike Detillier, check out Sports Talk on and the Odyssey app. Steve Geller hangs out with them regularly, and they have a great time. We'll also be posting recaps after every day of Saints Camp with Bobby, Mike, or Mike Haas. Whoever's on hand that day, we will do it. Today It was Steve chatting with Mike and Bobby, and you can find those either at the WWL Facebook page or at WWL Sports on YouTube. I found that they're very popular, and people just love to hear what Bobby has to say. And as someone who didn't really follow Bobby that much until the last few years, I have to say I do appreciate listening to Bobby because when you kind of move past... (laughs) <laughs> the cajun kind of confusion that comes out of the the you know the the oh, oh, oh you know uh like he does have a lot of really f- insightful things to say and uh, and i enjoy talking to him
2: yeah a guy that's been there done that and lo- what i love about him he does not give a damn he does he's no he's not pulling punches at all yeah. ever uh definitely giving you flat out how he feels unfiltered bobby a bear
3: I agree, I agree with that 100%. And I think even I fall into a lot of times, is like I talk to these players every day. I'm not going to sure. be as hard on them as I might be about of you know, the Giants because I don't hang out with the Giants. I don't have to stand in front of them and own a take, which it's a lot harder to do than a lot of people would think because these are really tall guys. <laughs> and if they wanted to beat me up, I would have no chance. I like And I can't outrun them either. So... <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, that, you can't say that about Bobby. Bobby is willing to say anything at any time to a fault. And, uh, you know, I and I appreciate it. There's there's something special about that level of candor. So make sure to check out Sports Talk. It's always worth listening to, I think.
2: No, and we've brought it up before. Bobby was on the Andy Dalton train way before anyone last year.
3: Yeah, he's usually right. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I give him crap sometimes, but uh, I, I do really respect, respect his opinion. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back, and I want to talk – more about Jimmy Graham and really the tight end position in general. Because we also got a chance to talk to Taysom Hill today. And I thought he had some interesting things to say both about Jimmy Graham and about his role. Which I don't even know why. Like, I asked him if he considers himself a tight end. He was like, eh. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we're going
3: we're gonna to get into that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller, WWL. You can follow the show on Twitter at Saints underscore Pod. I'm posting a lot more camp videos to the show Twitter account because Elon Musk doesn't get my Twitter account anymore. I gotta, I have to, I have to take something for me. So we're going, we're trying to build that account. So check that out. We're going to continue to post there and obviously follow us on YouTube. Hit the like button at WWL Sports, and we'll be right back on Inside Black and Gold. One more segment, breaking down the first day of New Orleans Saints training camp. And I, I feel like like waking up this morning was like, you know, like like Christmas morning. I was just so excited. I woke up early. I woke up at six. I normally wake up at like seven. And I walked the dog. I, I was so pumped. And then I, sat, I got back from walking the dog and I was ready to go. And I was like, wait, I have like an hour. I don't even have to be ready yet. I ended up watching... The, the final episode of Secret Invasion, which was kind of terrible, I have to admit. Oh, um, but no, I, really, I haven't
2: gotten into it yet.
3: It's all right. But like, I was so I was so amped up that I <laughs> I was like ready. I was sitting on the couch like, I guess I'll go get a coffee or something. Well, that's
2: why you got a prime um, parking spot today, too. I did. I,
3: I didn't have to park
2: in like the satellite <laughs> lot.
3: Yeah. And so I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gallagher. This is Inside Black and Gold. The big news that we haven't gotten to talk about on the podcast yet, really. The Saints brought back Jimmy Graham. And I think (laughs) I was not alone in that initial news breaking and thinking, oh, they're just bringing him back so he can retire a Saint, right? Like, that's the deal. You sign that one-day contract and you're going to... And no, very much no. This is a guy who they had considered bringing back multiple times, never worked out this year. It did. And Jimmy Graham is on a one-year deal coming back for the New Orleans Saints. And I was talking to Sean Vizan about this. I don't think you would have gotten Jimmy Graham to agree to come back without some kind of, not necessarily a guarantee you make the roster, but assurance that you're going to give him a realistic role to play into, right? This is not a vanity project. He's not coming back unless he thinks he can make this roster and expects to play in games in the Superdome, which is what he promised fans they would see. Uh, I don't think he means preseason games. So, you know, Jimmy, still 6'7", still can move. I'm, I'm excited to see what he looks like when the pads come up.
2: Yeah, obviously. I mean, this is one I didn't expect or see coming, honestly, either. No. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the signing, and I was like, oh, cool. You know, yeah, the one-day deal to come back and retire is saying, eh, that's right. not the case. That man's coming to play. And what a turnaround for this, this group in general because I know initially after last season it was like, what what are we going to do here? Uh, this was, you know, before even like the signing of a Foster Morrow was brought in, and, and then you know, there was okay. You, you see a little bit of depth there. Uh, they added even you know, Jesse James, you know, now a, a Jimmy Graham to that group. Suddenly, we're, we're bursting with with tight ends here. And I didn't even mention obviously the young guy and Lucas Kroll and uh, the man, I nice guess, today, for mm-hmm. uh, the, the man who's not even sure if he's a tight end himself in Taysom Hill. I thought that was great today, that little back and forth.
3: Yeah. So, you know, like just to follow up on that point, you know, Jimmy Graham, I think he's, I I look at him similar to when they brought Ben Watson back, right? Ben Watson was 38 when they brought him back. And I wasn't sure what you could get out of him. He caught 35 passes, 400 yards, two touchdowns. I think if you're, if you're looking at Jimmy Graham and you're, that's the type of production that's like, okay, can he be a red zone weapon? Can he catch four or five touchdowns and be a unguardable player in parts of the field? Um, and you, yeah, I just think like, it's going to be intriguing, but yes, I got to talk to Taysom today and you know, he's talking about his role and he's talking about how he wants to focus on this. He wants to focus on this. He actually said like, he's a guy who really would love structure. He's a structure guy and every day he comes to Saints practice and it's just the least structured thing you could possibly imagine. <laughs> <It's> chaos, <right? laughs> um, but I did, I kind of just asked him straight up, it was like, do you consider yourself a tight end, like the on the depth chart on the roster, you are listed at tight end. But what do you think you are? And uh, and and this is what this is what he has to say. <laughs>
7: uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think of myself as a tight end. You know, as, you know, I, I don't think I had a single rep last year as an inline tight end. You know, so when I think of a tight end, that's kind of what hits my head. Um, I don't know how I would label myself. Um, no one else does it- yeah uh i don't know um obviously my background is is being quarterback so when i think about you know what i've done throughout my career i i think of i think of that Um, as far as what i'm doing this year i I don't know
3: (laughs) (laughs) so in summary absolutely not Taysom hill does not consider himself a tight end just like everybody there really should be just a separate position on the roster and just, and just right the, utility or whatever yeah call it what you want and it's like there's going to be a point in this offseason when someone's like wow i can't believe the saints kept four tight ends they didn't they kept three <laughs> and they because that's the only thing but i just think it's funny like not even he's willing to go up there and be like yeah 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 yeah, i'm a tight end
2: <laughs> but you, you know deep down he really definitely still thinks of himself as a quarterback
3: i could see it in his eyes i could see it in his eyes <laughs> And and I will give him credit. I think he has, over the last two seasons specifically, really embraced this role in ways that in the last season with Sean when he was competing with Jameis, he had not yet. And I think it was really kind of a disappointment for him to compete for the job, lose it, and then have to figure it out the rest of the way. But I think that he is a team guy. He wants to win. He wants the team to succeed and he wants to do whatever he can to help them and i think last year you really saw it and he blossomed in that role he scored all those touchdowns he kind of found a niche that made sense and his role developed in you know it's not it's like you look at it it's kind of like a like a tree where the roots are kind of spreading right and it's just you kind of feel like wow this is where he can really contribute and there were games last year week five against the seahawks week 16 against the browns they lose those games if he is not in the role that he is in now, maybe if he was the starter, who knows? But okay. in in the way the offense was running, if you were not utilizing Taysom Hill in the ways you were, you lose those games. And how you know it, it? There's only so many guys in a team that you can point to and say that about, right? Like offensive linemen, whatever you can point to and say we need them. Obviously, you know receivers, whatever. It's hard to find guys so you can say, no, we won this game because of what he did. And if he didn't do that, we lose them. And that's what Taysom is. And so when you're looking for value, you're looking for a guy that is willing to do anything, it's him. And I really do appreciate him a lot.
2: Like you said, the just everywhere he is, you know he's giving it that extra effort, uh, always striving to get that extra yardage. Or, you know, uh, still one of my favorite uh, – plays from him was i think it was either 2019 or 2020 that block punt in Tampa Bay that he had and it just it just shows you you know the guy's willing to do anything to help this team win like you mentioned and even though you can tell you saw you saw in the depth of his hole when you looked in his eyes like he still wants to be that quarterback but it's like in order to be that quarterback I got to do a bunch of other stuff and he's and he's okay with it
3: yeah and and i you know i also asked him you know what he worked on uh this off season and uh, this is what this is what he had to say i
7: think it's it's kind of what we talked about um you know route running um and I, th- I think the the other thing is like film study is being able to make those decisions quickly right it's one thing to get a ball and take a drop and have an expectation of what somebody's going to to do what breaks they're they're going to make based on the coverage but now you know, I'm hoping to get more opportunities to run some of those routes, and so that was new for me, um, and that was an emphasis this year uh, as far as my training goes. But I try not to get too specific with my off-season training. I make sure that I feel strong and I make sure I'm in shape and I can run fast because, you know, the scope of, of what I'm doing, it's hard to just become so specialized on one thing. Um, you know, so I try to make sure that I'm well-rounded.
3: Yeah. So he can't just practice one thing. <laughs> and when, he, when I asked him, like, what specifically have you worked on this offseason that you feel like, oh, I need to get better at this. And he can't pinpoint one thing because there's so many things. Um, and I do I do find it kind of fascinating to, to think of. It's like, how do you set up an offseason program when it's like, you you know, you can't possibly narrow it down?
2: No, you just have like uh, you pretty much have to be an expert and master in everything.
3: Yes. And, you know, just to kind of loop back around here, here's what Taysom said about Jimmy Graham when he was asked, because you know, Jimmy Graham is kind of a a ethereal figure for these guys. Like, I don't know if there was anyone on this team other than Cam Jordan who was around when Jimmy was. I think he's probably the only player who can look back and say, yeah, I was a teammate of Jimmy Graham. Um, And that's kind of fascinating to think about because he's still around. He's still playing. And but all the other players on this roster are like, oh yeah, I remember watching Jimmy Graham as a member of the Saints and being like, how do you guard that guy? And now he's here. So here's what here's what uh, Taysom had to say about
7: him. Um Man, I know Jimmy's a, a great player. Um, I feel like through the years and my time here, we would often bring up Jimmy of how he would run his routes, and so. You know, conversations with Drew, it's like, oh, Jimmy used to do this, or on this route he would do this, and so his name was always coming up, and we'd pull up old film and watch his stuff, so, um, and obviously played him a couple of times when he was up in Chicago and and whatnot, so I've been following his career, I've seen what he's done, Um, and now to have the opportunity to play with him is super positive, you know, there's a guy that's just had a ton of experience, Um, there's just so much wisdom that comes from experience and reps and and he checks all those boxes and he's been great to work with the last couple of days it's been really fun to have have him around and ask him questions and, and have him in the room and here's what Derek Carr had to say about about
3: his new 6-7 tight end besides
8: the resume and the, the leadership and you know you know who he is in the locker room he's a great guy you know Jimmy was one of the guys Devontae would always talk about you know uh, that he just loved him as a person loved him as a teammate, and. I didn't even know Jimmy then, you know, and then when we signed him, uh, you know, the very first thing is Jimmy was talking about how much he loved Devontae. So I was like, okay, it's mutual. They like each other, you know. And so um, that was my only impression that I had of him from afar. And then yesterday we sat there and talked for 30 minutes. and You know, we talked about, you know, Drew, Aaron, Seattle. We talked about different, a whole bunch of different different stuff. And, you know, I had questions for him and, uh, you know, all that stuff, especially as a pilot too, you know lying around and stuff like that so I had we just getting to know him you know what makes him tick but when you get around him you're like you just want him in the locker room you know um, his leadership to that tight end room leadership to everyone on the offense uh, he's you know he's the first guy hey if you need it, it's anything said you tell me and I'll say it you know that like, he's this that kind of guy and so um, he reminds me a lot in that aspect of Lee Smith was that kind of leader uh, I played with Lee um, in Oakland um, and he was that kind of leader whatever you need I got it and uh, you know when you have a guy that has your back like that it always feels good
3: so when he's talking about Devontae, he's talking about Devontae Adams, who Derek Carr played with in Oakland, I'm sorry, in Las Vegas last year. And so Jimmy Graham played for the Packers for a couple of seasons, and he was teammates with Devontae Adams. So that's where they crossed paths. And that's when, so Derek Carr had talked to Devontae Adams, who gave Jimmy Graham a going review. And Jimmy Graham then reciprocated that saying, Yeah, oh, I love Devontae. So that's what he's talking about there. He also mentioned that Jimmy Graham's a pilot, which, I mean, he must have some big the plane must have, like, an extra big cockpit to, like, accommodate a six seven pilot. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's not a coincidence that people love playing with Jimmy Graham. Like, it it makes it a lot easier to bring in a veteran player who you're still trying to figure out exactly what he can do when that player is as well-liked and well-respected as Jimmy Graham is.
2: I thought it was telling, too, the other day, the you know, the initial press conferences when training camp opened, hearing from even you know, Mickey Loomis, a general manager, executive vice president of the team, and talking about the attitude that that Graham brings to the locker room, to the team, uh, you know, and I just never, I don't know, I, I felt he was a flashy player, but I never saw him as really that kind of vocal, badass, trash-talking kind of tight end. And, and I, I'd seen at least that kind of way that the attitude that Mickey Loomis was talking about kind of made me feel like, like he is that guy.
3: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think just part of that is just playing however many, what 15 seasons in the NFL. I mean, you gain an understanding. Like Mickey talked about how, you know, the maturity level yes. f- that he had when he was a young player here is a lot different than what he has now. And, and that's part of the reason you bring in veteran players. That's part of the reason he's an attractive fit why the Saints have looked at him and especially in a tight end room that has a lot of young guys, right? Foster Morrow is what? 25, 26. Like Jawan Johnson's in in that range too. Like these are young, impressionable guys. Now they have a veteran to look up to because it's tough. It's tough to learn how to be an NFL player and also be leading younger players, right? Like Cam Jordan has made that a science. He's made it an art form. It's not as easy as it looks. And You know, now I think that takes some of the pressure off a guy like Juwan, who can now kind of lean on someone who's done it before, um, as he's still learning. Like, it it takes more than two years to learn how to play tight end in the NFL. Um, And so now he's got Jimmy. I I think it's a good addition. I I still think there's maybe a 50-50 shot that he makes the roster. Let's be real. He is 36. I don't know how much he has left to give. Um, But it's still going to be fun to watch. And, you know, is, that's that's all you can ask for as a as a fan of an NFL team. Right. Just want to have a good time.
2: Yeah, I guess maybe I'm more confident in him making the roster just because of the quote unquote skins on the wall that he has. And I guess, yeah, time will tell if he really is still in football kind of shape. I'm just curious, though, what what should we really expect from Graham if he can play a 17 game season? Because Obviously, he's not gonna be that 11 12 touchdown a season guy.
3: Well, let's say 50-50 is a heck of a lot better odds than I'd give most, if not all, other 36-year-old players who showed up ready for another <laughs> season of football, right? <laughs> um, so those are pretty good odds, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, and he, I think he's gonna have to show in games in the preseason what he has left. And and that's when I put that at. But Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think look at Ben Watson, what he was able to do in that age 38 season. The Saints brought him back. He did play in all 16 games. He got 35 passes, 400 yards, two touchdowns. I think the touchdown total should be higher. The yardage total, I think that's about fair. And you're not going to be expecting a ton out of him. You might get a couple starts if you need them. The only thing that makes this situation kind of odd to me is you would think your depth tight end would be a top end blocker. Right. And well, we know that's not the case. <laughs> it's just never been his. thing. Like, it's just not. And it's like, I don't think that's insulting to him. It's nah. never been his forte. So how does he get on the field without taking Juwan off the field? Right. Cause he's not going to take Jawan's job. So is he kind of just insurance if Jawan gets hurt or I don't know. So that's going to be something we have to, we have to kind of decide, but you know until we see him do something in in a real even in one of these joint practices you know i'm not going to i'm not going to jump over a, over a barrel to be like wow he's that guy um but for now you know we haven't even talked to him yet i am look, looking forward to talking to him hopefully later this week but either way it's a fun story to start camp and we'll see where it goes we're going to have a lot more kind of intriguing stuff coming in you know we have fans out there on friday as mentioned we're going to get to talk to a lot of these other guys. You know, we'll have a lot of audio to throw at you. So, you know, maybe even enough for an extra episode here or there. But for now, we're going to stick to the normal two week, two episodes a week. So the next one, we'll probably record over the weekend and get to you on Monday. But who knows? Maybe there'll be an emergency podcast here or there. We'll, we'll figure it out. Either way, thanks everyone for listening. This has been Inside Black and Gold. Reacting to the first day of Saints training camp. We got the second day tomorrow. We got the third day on Friday. We got the fourth day on Saturday. And then we got a day off. And before I go, one of the things that interested me is you look at the schedule. And DA mentioned this is they've adjusted their schedule a bit to kind of be forward thinking in terms of health and avoiding injuries. And uh, if you look at the, the schedule, there are only like two or three stretches where they even go four practices in a row without a day off or a walkthrough. And I think that was intentional and I, I'm happy about it because the first, like that 10 day stretch to start camp where you don't even get a day off is brutal. Just to go out there and watch it every day. I can't right, imagine you start, you
2: start all bright eyed. And then by, you know, like you said, four or five days, you're starting to get worn down by it.
3: Yeah. So I think that's interesting because Sunday they're off. And I don't recall the last several years them having a day off four days after the start of camp. Oh, um, I so you, I think right. that's, one of those adjustments that you're seeing and i think that's a good thing i think that's a sign that da is uh coming out of his shell a little bit in terms and of that's
2: that's why i think uh monday is going to be great too just because they're coming back rested and boom they're back in they're in pads then so it'll be it should be really aggressive
3: pad day baby bay. yeah all right this is inside black and gold if you haven't subscribed yet do that leave us a rating leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. whether it's apple spotify the odyssey app download the odyssey app why not just try it just do it do it do it
2: do i it. hope i hope to see some of our fans at camp honestly
3: yeah if you're out of camp say Don't hi say hey please you know what he looked like i'm the one <laughs> sweating through my shirt actually that's everybody i've already made that joke all right uh <laughs> follow me on twitter at jeff underscore follow the show at saints pod saints underscore pod Don't follow the same spot. Well, I guess you could also do that, but that's not ours. (laughs) And you can follow Steve at WWL. Steve's got to run and go get on Sports Talk with the the old gang, the old boys over there. And uh, Steve, any parting words before we get on out of here?
2: Uh, No, just so excited for this football season. And I don't know. uh, I can't remember how. I I started it. My first season was the Super Bowl year. So I've been doing this a little bit now, and it just never gets old covering an NFL team feel blessed to do it and and love this part of the job for sure
3: no doubt no doubt and we love all of you
2: (laughs) absolutely
3: why we do it but all right be easy y'all peace